Episode 61 of Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Floman again with my brother Keith Floman and our buddy Larry Waldman. In this episode, we're continuing our tournament to determine the best rock song of the 1980s. And we're finishing round two here. The intro song was picked by Keith, and it was a very Keith song, so he's going to say a few words about it. That, that song is like the song of murder. <laughs> the band is called Scratch Acid. Uh, the song and the EP came out in 1984. They were relatively short-lived and went on to form Jesus Lizard. But I just love sort of the, you know, the combination of like influences that you find in that song and also sort of the things that it influenced going forward. But there's hardcore, there's metal, there's just an amalgamation of different things coming together in this chaos you know chaos uh and you really feel like you know you might be in somebody's basement who's about to who's losing their mind it's uh pretty I, can intense. Total, I can totally see how that had these guys became jesus lizard though that totally fits and yeah i it's it's sort of like a like it's like a little beyond hardcore almost like you said like there's a little metal in it little little noise rock like scream rock but that was yeah, a good way to kick off this episode. I've heard of Scratch Acid because of the Jesus Lizard connection. I never really got around to listening to them. I had some Jesus Lizard albums back in the day. Another interesting band. Obviously, they had a lot more commercial success than Scratch Acid. Definitely an interesting pick. I hadn't heard it before and uh, definitely want to hear some more of it because it's pretty insane. <laughs> it's worth, yeah. I, hopefully, it's for some of you out there it might be inspiring to, <laughs> to to dig a little deeper there all right so we're going to hit the matchups here the first matchup is the number four seed the stone roses with the i am the resurrection from 1989 versus the number 20 seed motorhead with ace of spades from 1980 <laughs> I don't like the way it's 
again, I am the Resurrection is going up against Motorhead with Ace of Spades. played the beginning the first part of the song into the second part of the song this time with die on the resurrection you played the the jam part last time that's probably my favorite part of the song you just played that chorus is so epic i love those nifty little guitar runs also it's it's, it's so, you know just listen i probably listened to it like three or four times today trying to find that that exact right moment because this is kind of what i thought i was going to play but you know, I just wanted to make sure, because these are tough matchups, I want to make sure if Stone Rose is going out, they're going out on a high note. You guys aren't quite as into Tame Impala as I am, but in there's that little bit where the, the guitar, there's a very right. slight variation each time as it continues on. Reminds me very much of Let It Happen, where the, the riff has slight variations and then continues and continues until it dissolves and and turns into like a cacophony. And I, I just picked on picked up on that today. Now, again, that could only be me because sometimes when you're listening to songs a lot, you pick up on connections that you might only think. But that's also, to me, one of the best parts of I Am The Resurrection is that there's so much going on in it. Like we've commented before, it is like two songs, but they float seamlessly into one another. And it's a great guitar song. I mean, it, it's funny that it's going up against Ace of Spades, which you think of more of as a, a traditional guitar song, but I Am The Resurrection is a phenomenal guitar song. How about that guitar solo at the end of Ace of Spades, too? What a, what a slam-bang finale that is. clock. Yeah, so I played the intro last time. This time I played the end of the song. They're both awesome. It's a little different, right? It's like maybe, what, a two-and-a-half-minute song versus an yeah. eight-minute song. versus an eight-minute song, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you had a lot more uh, potential picks uh, as far as where to start and finish but good job with that uh, motorhead right i mean it's funny right because grunge became such a big thing and, and such a label but whoever had a grungier sound than motorhead right i mean dirty it is dirty, dirty right dirty and, bird and and lemmy was just one of a kind i mean nobody looked or sounded like lemmy right i mean even his warts were legendary <laughs> i mean if anybody ever lived the sex drugs and rock and roll lifestyle you know along with keith richards right i mean it was lemmy and and again whenever i need a band for that pure adrenaline rush you're at the gym and you just want to get pumped up motorhead is tough to beat in ace of spades they have a lot of great tunes but there's no question the motorhead song is ace of spades so that's why we yeah. all well, the most famous motorhead song yeah, by a mile. If you could pick Overkill or Ace of Spades, which would you rather listen to? 
I don't know. I, I think Stone Dead Forever is actually my favorite yeah. Motorhead song. You have Killed by Death. There's others. Yeah. But I, I have no problem with anyone who says Ace of Spades, though. Right. I mean, right. we talked about Madchester, that whole scene, the, the, the merging of the uh, kind of 60s guitar with the kind of dance beats and, and how innovative that was and how it, it kind of paved the way to uh, the later sounds of the 90s. So there's innovation there. Um, I'm good. So again, it's sort of like the, the flip side of grunge where some right. of it was good and some of it was tragically unnecessary. <laughs> right, Stone Roses, they, they were essentially a one album wonder, right? I mean, the second album wasn't nearly as good. It was good, but no comparison. And, and But again, that one album is an all-timer. As far as these two songs... That it's they, not like they put out 10 flops after that. No, no. They put a much delayed second album that was different sound-wise, more more jams and the Led Zeppelin influence, which obviously endears it to me. So, so you know what I was thinking? Do, do you think... Do you think that part of the reason why it wasn't as good is because it... I feel like the second album is kind of an evolution for where the, what the Stone Roses sound was, but the difference between 1989 and 1994 in music was so different that it just it just didn't fit. I mean, it, it, it comes it down to the songs, though. This just the songs weren't as good. Yeah, they didn't stay as true to who they were, right? And there's growth and there's progression, but you know, don't stray too far from what yeah. made their first album one of the all literally one of the all-time all-time yeah, i just i just don't know if it's just, i don't know it's one of those things where and, and again it's, it's very easy to do this right music like, passes you by and yeah and you just don't know if you just don't know if you're like that, that was like lightning in a bottle you just don't know if they were ever going to come up with something like that again so i can see why the second album was an evolution but it just it just wasn't i don't know Maybe it maybe it's better that they stopped after that, and then yeah. the legend of that first album just grew and grew instead of being diluted by several inferior copycats yeah, exactly. right? or swing and misses. Right. So back to these songs, they're two great songs, but I think the ambition of the Stone Roses song is what pushes it over the top for me in this matchup. It's longer. It's longer. It's longer. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm seriously. Ace of Spades kicks ass every single time, but yeah, I don't discover new things every time I hear it, well, like I do with the Stone Roses song. And Larry, your example tonight with the Tame Impala connection is is a good example of that. So I am I am the Resurrection. Moving on here, with all due respect to Lemmy Motorhead, and and I expect one of you guys is going to back me up here. So I, I'm I'm a little afraid to vote because I, I I'm not convinced that Lenny's actually dead and if he is listening to the podcast and I do vote for Stone Roses he might come kill me but I, I'm going to take the chance that he's he's you know moved on to bigger and better things and has more yeah. important things to do than listen to our podcast or even if he is listening he's probably like yeah whatever these fuckers don't know what they're talking about so exactly remember. Let me is God, so he is watching you. So he knows. He's watching either way. Yeah. So I don't think he cares what we think. Right. I think. I think. Like I said, I think he's transcended that. He's moved on. He doesn't really care. So, although he totally does care, he's probably pissed. But whatever. There you have it. Um, I'll abstain from voting since my vote is. uh, That's that's probably that's probably a wise decision. Exactly. I'm going to sit this one out. Let me. I got you, Buck. You do love you, Lemmy. If you're still around, I'd be looking for the next Motorhead gig. Okay. 
The next matchup is the number five seed Metallica with Fade to Black from 1984 versus the number 12 seed The Cure with Pictures of You from against Pictures of You by The Cure. Killer matchup. This is another one that could be a final four matchup for me. And again, we have metal versus alternative, a recurring theme in this tournament. To me, Metallica in the mid 80s was as good as metal ever got. They were heavy as hell, faster and heavier than Priest or Maiden, but they also had melody and guitar harmonies and evil vocals and kick ass riffs and solos. Fade to Black starts as a dark and emotional ballad with some beautiful guitar playing. It even has some acoustic guitar. Plus, it has lyrics that really stick with you. I have lost the will to live, simply nothing more to give, which we didn't play, but that's one of the lyrics. And, man, that's some heavy stuff. But, but then the song gets supremely heavy, 
with some monstrous riffs, and it has a tremendous groove and buildup until it's capped off by Kirk Hammett's outro guitar song, which is an all-timer for me, and which we played in the matchup intro this time. On to The Cure. We mentioned that Pictures of You may be the greatest yearning for a lost love song ever. In my opinion, it's the greatest song on their greatest album, Disintegration. Musically, it has dense yet beautifully lush sound with its slowly unfolding layers, but it's the love on lyrics that hit especially hard, and it features one of Robert Smith's most emotional and best vocal performances. Man, these are two all-timers to me. What do you guys have to say? I, I listened to both of these a couple of times uh, over the last you know day or two. Again, just to even though I've heard them all both countless times, just to get the feel again and. It's funny, I know you mentioned the lyrics, the dark lyrics of a fade to black in the beginning. To me, it, it's all about the guitar. It's all about the sound, right? And, and, and that's, that's what I gravitate to when I listen to fade to black. Whereas pictures of you, part of the reason I picked this selection is just, it's because of the lyrics. Now, I agree, like the layers and the build is something that we all really love, but I had to showcase those lyrics and that vocal because to me that like you said that that's that's the epitome of of yearning and you know you guys have made fun of me many times about my my relationship with disintegration <laughs> but listen listen to those lyrics and tell me how that is not how you but feel, but, right? but could i interrupt and, and add something as well is the guitar playing on pictures of you is great also oh like, absolutely i'm just saying like where is so underrated both? as a guitar player both of him and pearl thompson they were a great tandem the guitar melodies are, are fantastic. And, unmistak- and unmistakably his, right? As we've yeah. talked about. Yeah, with, yeah. With churches. Are- yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Like when Keith said to me, put on the song and tell me who it is. He, he's like, it's like, you're going to know immediately. And, and sure enough, I, I did. But that's the thing, Scott. Is that like, I think both of these songs have both great guitar and both, both have great lyrics. But for whatever reason, I think of the lyrics first with, pictures of you and i think of the guitar first when i think of fade to black but it oh, because well because you've you've probably felt the longing hopefully yeah. you've felt the longing of pictures of you more than in the <laughs> suicidal aspect of yes I, black. I, would, I, mean, I would i would i would say that's that's that that, that might definitely be true. a little bit more yeah hopefully hope yeah hopefully. no that's definitely true i mean i i'm sure they went together at some time at some point <laughs> There are probably times, yes. All right, so I guess it's verdict time. Well, I just want to, I will add that, yeah, this matchup is just not right. These are two songs that at at different points in my life were the biggest, like the most impactful songs, you know, at that time. So this is a heavyweight matchup. Fade to Black was sort of, the easy it's sort of like the easy intro into the heavier music at that again it was 1984 um yeah. so you know it was a, it was sort of the easy intro into darker you know heavier metal the, the slight departure from you know the first their first album and it was sort of easy digestion to 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 kick your ass and have suicidal thoughts and pictures of you is Pictures of you, I didn't even realize it at the, at the time. It's so perfect. Like at the time, I didn't realize how much they were channeling Joy Division 
And now that I even get the connection, like I love it. <laughs> it's that much. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't take away from it at all. Yeah, it, very... exactly. It's like it's the the, the flattery there is they they're just taking it um, to you know that they're using it. They're leveraging it in a way that just um, you know really makes the song that much better. So uh, this is a this is a killer matchup. All right, so verdict time. Uh, again, these are two of my all-time favorite songs. They're deep and they're emotional, and they are both totally epic at around seven minutes long. I don't know which one's longer, so I won't decide it on that. They're pretty close. Do, do, um, you, want, do you want me to tell you? No, no, I don't. Oddly enough, given how different the bands are overall, in some ways the songs are similar, or at least they are until Fade to Black completely changes directions. That's the tiebreaker for me. I feel that the Metallica song is more innovative with its different sections and that phenomenal guitar solo, man. When songs are this close, it's the little things that make all the difference. Metallica moves on for me here with all due respect to The Cure, but this was not an easy decision. And I'm curious what you guys are going to say here. I'm not sure which way Keith's going to go. So I, I don't, I think this will, this will continue to be more dramatic because for, for me, Again, I think it's the op- it's it's like sort of the opposite of how Scott felt. I, I do appreciate Fade to Black and loved it when it came out, but Pictures of You, I, I think sort of like Keith is saying, like the, the lyrics obviously speak a little bit more. And me and I feel like I've been in that that vibe, that mode more often. And it's just to me, it's a it's a deeper the lyrics and the vocals are deeper and more affecting to me and just hit me in a different place. So for me, it's the cure, although also extremely tough matchup. I expected Larry to go with the cure. Keith, it's up to you. Yep. The metal guy. The metal guy with like the extreme soft spot for the, the cure, right? The yeah. cure. Metal and you know post punk is a tough call. Obviously, Fate to Black came first, and like you know, I was addicted to Fate to Black before Pictures of Eden, you know, came out. Again, Fate to Black has a deep history in sort of my <laughs> foray into you know darker, you know, becoming a Metallica fan it was in part because of Fate to, Fate to Black, which led to being a fan of lots of other sort of metal and, and subgenres. Pictures of you probably had a, overall a, a longer, deeper impact over years from when it came out in '89. You know, um, over the course of the, the uh, however, oh my God, thirty-three years. That, don't that, say that, it. Don't 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 say <laughs> it. That, that passed since then. Here's where my tiebreaker is. The, I'd say the one flaw of Pictures of You. And this is sort of goes against Scott's theory, right? Or, you know, the way he thinks about music is that I think there are points in pictures of you where you're like, all right, it's about to end. And then there's still another four minutes left of sort of, you know, the, you know, similar. It doesn't change much dynamically over that, uh, that? Over that time, <laughs> that time period. It just it it you know it makes it harder to listen to it through you know the the full song through over and over and over again because there's a little bit of fatigue that comes from that um, and fade to black is 
you know, is also an epically long song, but dynamics change pretty starkly and dramatically. And, you know, you have to see it through to the end. You almost have to see it through to the end. You get, you get annoyed when you hear it and, you know, you don't, then they cut off the solo before, you know, before it reaches its actual um, conclusion. So I'm, I'm going fade here. Um, I'm, you know, it's somewhat hard for me to go against the cure and pictures, but uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to be heavy metal Keith in this one and, and go with Fade. Mm-hmm. Heavy metal Keith. Instead of emo Keith. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Both, I, they both live inside me. Emo Keith will get another chance in, in a minute. Uh, I think that was a well-reasoned argument. And Fade to Black moves on, uh, despite our love for the cure and pictures of you. And uh, we have a similar matchup in some ways here. Uh, another alternative versus metal matchup with the number three seed Joy Division, who we just talked about, with Atmosphere from 1980 versus the number 14 seed Iron Maiden with Hallowed Be Thy Name from Atmosphere by Joy Division is going up against Hallowed Be Thy Name by Iron Maiden.
know, I recently listened to Love Will Tear Us Apart. When that intro to Love Will Tear Us Apart came on, I was like, how the hell did we not pick this song? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then Atmosphere came on, and I'm like, that's why. That's why. That's why. We could have picked other songs. I mean, again, it's tough to pick. It's just yeah. tough to pick one. And you can say the same with Maiden. Absolutely. You know, atmosphere, right? Perfect title. That's what the song is, atmospheric. Right? Totally. And I, and I think I texted you guys uh, last week. So, Kadeen and I were re-watching season five of Peaky Blinders to get ready for season six. And in, I think, the second to last episode of season five, after a character gets killed, they're, like, wheeling him through the streets of London in this fog. And you can see it emerge as they start playing atmosphere. And then you see Tommy walking like alongside, and it is so fucking perfect. I have to say, they, they do. They a, do a great job. They do phenomenal a great job. job pitching music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to share with you, my friend JB sent me a playlist of Piggy Blinders music. Like it's like it's like a hundred songs long. It's awesome. Again, the disintegration connection, right? You you can hear the blueprint. This yeah, you totally blueprint, you right. So this song paved the way for other great works. You hear it so much, it, it's almost as if they copy some of the, the synth that comes that comes through. Like, it's the same sound. I, I don't know if it's exactly note for note, but it sounds so familiar. And the booming drum sound also. Yep. But one thing you cannot so, replicate is Ian, right? And it's so such a stark difference from a lot, you know, a lot of their other catalog. And Love Will Tear Us Apart and Atmosphere are both two songs that sort of... They have a fuller a, sound, yep. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're kick... They, crush right they're heavy they're a heavy band um and and yet these songs are like you know have a different sort of feel to them obviously tragic what happened with ian personally right um you know it's it spawned new order which obviously is you know has its um value right like you know like george's vision was this thing brief thing and then you know it spawned something else which was different and they're both great right they're both great so um, atmosphere is sort of that trans is part of that transition right it's the atmosphere and ceremony right it's is that transition yeah. from one to the they're becoming something else right yeah very, very much because you can you can hear the transition into what eventually becomes new order and you can also hear like with this and 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 level tales tear us apart you hear how the production is starting to get cleaner, more polished, more synthier, more synthier, right? right. Yeah. Like it's taking it a little, it's taking it away from some of the post-punk into what eventually becomes new wave and synthier. But yet, this, I mean, atmosphere is such a powerful, such an epic song. Like you're like and his voice, it's yeah. so haunting, and and especially again considering the context. But yeah, his voice is perfect in this. It's like it's it's controlled, it's deep, with, and then you've got like the bombastic percussion and then you hear like the synths coming down almost like i don't even have right, raining, 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 raining yeah. down right they like wash over you yeah it's 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 so epic and speaking of vocals let's talk about bruce 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 the whole song is so epic right like fate to black it's among the handful of greatest songs ever in terms of heavy metal it's it's way up there of course, it, yeah. it's, any any heavy metal ranking that 
doesn't have both of those songs in the top 10 just is just dismiss it exactly <laughs> so it starts slow and moody right and then it just builds and builds throughout and, and bruce is just so powerful the drumming is phenomenal clive burr is less song with the band the bass playing as usual by steve harris is amazing you have all these great guitar runs traded off harmonies and solos that they were so great at and like atmosphere the lyrics are pretty memorable as well right it's about prisoners reflections as is execution years right not your typical song topic but very memorable as well and it, it it's just a thrilling high energy song all around it just kicks ass and it's totally epic and i don't know what do you what else do you guys want to add to that description. The, the only thing I would say, and, and this is not meant as criticism, is that we talk about how it's a, it's a you know, one of the classic top metal songs all the time, but I also just think it's a, it's a classic, like, hard rock song, too. Like, it, I feel like it's, it's, I feel like just saying it's metal almost boxes it in a little bit more than, than maybe, yeah, maybe I thought there's it There's nothing that, there's, there's nothing inherent about it that's purely metal. Exactly. Right? That, that's sort of, yeah, that's sort of the vibe I'm going for. Yeah. It, it's still precious. So. Maiden isn't like super heavy, like uh, say like Pantera or some of the later bands. There is definitely a hard rock element to what yeah. they did. And there's certainly a lot of melody. Piano years were dirtier, right? They were. Dirtier, yeah. Bruce was more epic, right? He took them to that next Bruce level. Bruce took him to the, to a different level, I'll say. Just a, a kind of a grander, more theatrical sound. Which is what they wanted, so that's what they got. They wouldn't be playing stadiums with Deanna. Oh, definitely. <laughs> they would not be playing stadiums. They wouldn't nice. be flying the Iron Maiden plane. And, and back to the Ian and enjoy it. Uh, you guys love New Order. I, I really like New Order as well, but I'm much bigger Joy Division fan than I am a New Order fan. I, I, I am I am too, because all, like the this, this short body of work is just... It was more you know, rock and against. you Ian. That's the difference. We don't know what Joy Division would have transitioned to over, over time. That's, like the, yeah. that's the unknown, right? Right. I, I, I sort of view them as as like this, the same, I, I view them as like an, I view New Order as an evolution. Now, you, you can't say that because they don't have Ian. But again, just like we were saying, if you listen to Transmission and Atmosphere and Level Terrace Apart, you could hear- and Ceremony, and Ceremony. Hear, yeah, you could hear where they were going. I can't, ima- I can't imagine Ian leading on some of the later New Order songs, right? When you saw and them live in 87, I'm sure they totally kicked ass because it was basically the same musicians that kicked ass and joined them. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I, I remember thinking, oh, my God, that drummer is freaking amazing. <laughs> the drummer yeah. Is yeah. amazing. I mean, you had the keyboards as well, but basically the same core. Yeah. All right, so we've stalled enough. we got to pick a, a winner here. Again, this is a Another. really tough matchup. Uh, yeah. Two of my favorite songs. Again, I, I think I could say that about all of these uh, songs a, in this episode. This is a, just a killer it loses, Does it lose its value when we keep saying the same thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> like with the last matchup, I'm going metal here. How Be That Name is a bit more ambitious with its different sections and solos and its more epic scope. I've known it longer. It personally means more to me as much as I, I love Joy Division. I discovered them much later. So I have Maiden going on here. 
again, with all due respect to draw division, because again, this was not an easy call. You know which way I'm going. I'm not even going to say it. JD. JD. Here you go. It's up to you again. Happy Metal Keith. As I'm holding my Iron Maiden mug, drinking my beer. <laughs> so I kind of gave that away too, huh? Yeah, that was that. I, I, I knew that one was going to go. I feel like Keith's the wild card in this. Yeah, I'm definitely a wild card, right? Where um, two loves of my life. <laughs> Maiden was at the beginning, right? They were form their formative years uh, of really becoming a music fan. Standing on the the, the chair, the chair hand, the, the chair arms at Radio City um, that freezing January nineteen eighty five, and you know, kicking ass with uh, with with Bruce and the boys, and then Ian came along later in, in terms of impact for for me, and they're both the pinnacle of you know both of their um, their careers. Metal is like at my, my core, but there's just something about Joy Division that that has like become a, like you know, a driving force. Like I can't not push them. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Uh, atmosphere is going to move on here. Uh, as much as I, okay. yeah, I might pick how like as this individual song. Like it's. Hallowed, I love Hallowed. There's there's an inner there's an inner core of atmosphere that just is uh, going to move on here. You're right. They're the pinnacle of both bands, but also the pinnacle of both genres they represent. So, uh, yep. an impossible choice. You made your but, pick. But I'd say, but I'd say that Joy Division, the pinnacle for Joy is more, you like more obvious than the pinnacle of metal. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have to accept the verdict and move on. We're going to have to accept the verdict, Mr. Lowman. Yeah. Uh, take five, all right? I'll be right back. You just guys taking a moment. I, I need a moment to regroup. All right. The next matchup is the number 22 seed Guns N' Roses with Sweet Child of Mine from 1987 versus the number 27 seed The Waterboards with Fisherman's Blues from 
child of mine is going up against Fisherman's Blues by the Water Boys. These songs are seriously underseeded by best ever albums. So for those who don't remember, we seed uh, our songs in this tournament by the best ever albums website and uh, total underseeds here. Again, we have two more of my all-time favorite songs. This is a ridiculously loaded episode. For Sweet Child of Mine, I played the classic guitar solo the last time. And I changed it up this time to showcase the love song part of the song with, with Axel's sweet and even poetic lyrics and a vocal delivery to match. And those intro riffs, which Slash came up with just messing around one day, are killer. Like he said previously, they're just so immediate. Again, Appetite was a big album for all of us back in the day. And despite other classic songs like Welcome to the Jungle and Paradise City, there was no question among any of us that Sweet Child of Mine would be the pick. It is one of the iconic songs of the decade. And, and like many of the songs we featured, and, and in most cases picked to move on, this one is ambitious, right? In the way that it has multiple sections. There's the intro riffs, the almost bad-like verses that have a certain naive innocence in them, the all-time great guitar song, which Larry mentioned last time itself can be broken up into multiple parts. And then there's the heavy and intense, where do we go, final section, which builds and builds until it's explosive final vocal climax. Just great stuff all around. You guys want to add something, or should I uh, talk about the Water Boys here? I, I feel like I feel like we talked, you know, I talked about it the last time, but I do think, you know, similar to some of the songs that you mentioned, particularly, um, you know, some of the metal songs. Like th this is a more complex song than I think people might give it credit for because. They just think of the the guitar riff, right? They think of like you know what it what it brings back to them. But like you said, it's got multiple sections. It's there's a lot of complexity in it. As much as well, I'll I'll, I'll let you talk about Waterboys. Reminds me of childhood memories, right? Like for us, teenage memories. Well, what do you? I mean, it's childhood to to me at this point, that was, right? That was uh, yeah, childhood. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and you know, this I I agree in in a sense, Scott. This episode is kind of crazy, right? For this. There is sort of that progression from Hallowed to Fade to Black to Guns N' Roses to Pictures of You 
like that span the deck, you know, in some ways span the decade and span like that's growing up. Key yeah, part exactly. It's grown up, as Bruce would say. Yeah. Uh, I'll just talk briefly about the Waterboys because they've already won two matchups in this tournament. They've already had a good run. Exactly, regardless of what happens here. So they had their early big music sound, and and they later embraced Irish and Scottish folk, which is what you hear on Fisherman's Blues. To me, it's one of the greatest songs ever. It's uh, got those impassioned vocals, right? Unforgettable fiddle and some of the best woos ever. And as we've said many we do, times... We do love our woo songs. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I mean, the song makes me move, it makes me sing along, it makes me feel good, it makes me get all emotional inside. It's pretty close to perfect in every way. It makes you makes you want to get out on a boat and be a fisherman. Absolutely. So we got another tough one here, right? But as much as I love the song and feel that the band is incredibly underrated, you can talk about the 80s without mentioning the Waterboys. And I don't think you could do the same regarding Guns N' Roses. All things being relatively equal, and these are two A++ songs to me. I'm going to go with Influence and Impact as the tiebreaker. Guns N' Roses moves on, unless Larry and Keith feel otherwise. I would have used almost the same language, right? Like, I, I think these are two phenomenal songs, and the Waterboys had a, a probably better run than I anticipated, but... Yeah, you can't, I can't think of the 80s without thinking of GNR and I, and Sweet Child of Mine. I can think of the 80s music scene without necessarily thinking of the Waterboys and Fisher and Blues. I mean, I would miss it, but it, it's not like I can't talk about the 80s without talking about them, whereas you can't without Guns N' Roses. So out of the four that we had today, the four matchups, this one was, was the easiest one for, for me. Yeah, I agree that it's the easiest to, not because of how big Guns N' Roses was and how, uh, you know, they were much more impactful in the 80s, but it's more just because from a personal standpoint, like how the song just emotionally brings back those memories. Like it's, it's more the nostalgia of that era than it than it is how big they were, right? Because you know, I have we have nostalgia for different. You, know, you have nostalgia for things that weren't that gigantic, right? The Guns N' Roses became this gigantic thing. The nostalgia is more about like, you know, just that was, you know, it, it, that song meant a lot to me back then. Um, and you know, then while the Water Boys, like I, I, I mean, they bring woos to another level. <laughs> they're not just wooing they, they bring like they own the woo and their song is got there's a there's a happiness right there's an uplifting feeling to it there's a you're always uh, happy to hear it yes yeah and even if like i don't even it, it, like is it a happy song i don't even know i just know that it makes right. me feel happy it sounds like it's a happy song right right I feel um, like fishing yeah but, <laughs> my heart is it a love song I, like I, yeah anyway um it yeah it's a it's a great song they're an underrated band it's a way, way like underrated song way underrated uh, it band. should be way more well known we should spread the word continue spreading the word of the water boys but um you know it's going to move on as much as axis and dick <laughs> <laughs> wow well played there yeah 
All right, I got a question for you guys. Uh, oh, no, wait, trivia. Wait, wait, it's not yeah. trivia. Oh, it's not a trivia question. Okay. Not, I, I know, I've learned my lesson. No, no, I, I like the trivia <laughs> questions. I'm just not good at answering them. We just hope you just yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This one's simple. Better guitar solo, Fade to Black or Sweet Child of Mine? And I know he's much maligned in the guitar community, but I'm going with Kirk here in this one. Uh, I'll second that. Yeah, I, I kind of figured you guys would, and I, I probably lean towards that, but I I, feel, I I don't know if this makes any sense. I, I feel like Fade to Blacks is better, but I like Axles better. Does that make sense? Slash is better. Sorry, not at, yeah, not actually. <laughs> yes. Sorry. We'll go with that. I do think they are two of the greatest guitar solos ever, so... Again, no wrong answer. So we'll recap these second round matchups. Uh, in this episode, we had the number four seed, the Stone Roses, with I Am the Resurrection, beat the number 20 seed, Motorhead, with Ace of Spades. And we had the number five seed, Metallica, with Fade to Black, beat the number 12 seed, The Cure, with Pictures of You. And the number three seed, uh, Joy Division, uh, striking a blow for Emo over Metal in this one. But with Atmosphere beating the number 14 seed Iron Maiden with Hallowed Be Thy Name, though I'm not sure uh, emo is really the right word. Let's keep it post <laughs> Let's keep it post And then we had the number 22 seed Guns N' Roses with Sweet Child of Mine beat the number 27 seed The Water Boys with Fisherman's Blues. We'll be back again soon where we'll hit the Elite Eight of this tournament where we're trying to determine the greatest rock song of the 1980s. From here on in, the matchups are all going to be completely insane in terms of competitiveness. So uh, good stuff coming up. Actually, we're probably going to do a one-off episode on a different topic before then. So check back soon to find out. Have a good night, everybody. Night, everyone. Outro song time. I'm going to go with another sort of genre Buster sort of in that it sort of straddles between sort of that early Iron Maiden sound and, you know, the, the hardcore post-punk. When you listen to it, hopefully you'll get a sense of this band and they're just different. They were influential ultimately in, in outside, the you know, they came up probably more outside of the metal realm, but you know, listen to the song and, and and interested in sort of feedback in the end. But um, this is Christian Death with Death Wish. And while it may sound completely in the heavy metal realm, I'd say Christian Death falls more into the, you know, post-punk, definitely outside of the metal realm. Um, but this one is more in that early Maiden vibe. Yeah.